0: Well, we're going to go to the Gospel of Luke Uh, this morning, Luke chapter 15, the Gospel of Luke in chapter number 15. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one in front of you and one under one of those chairs there if you'd like to follow along. We do believe the Bible around here, and we just try to preach it and teach it the way that God gave it to us, that men and women and boys and girls can live the way that God would have them to live. Thank you for everyone that prayed for us while we went down to the Pastor and Wives retreat down in Branson this past week it was a it was a good time, so a lot of folks that we knew got a little bit of rest here and there. Good fellowship, good food I'm very thankful for the opportunity to go. Thank you so much for allowing us to do that Luke chapter number fifteen a familiar story, um, but one thing about the Bible is it never grows old, never grows stale uh, Look down to verse number 11, and we're going to read part of this parable that God has given us. Luke chapter 15, verse 11. And he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living And no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and despair, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before thee, and, uh, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. <clears throat> Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. I want to uh, try to address some real Christianity this morning. Um, I want us to try to get a biblical grasp on repentance. Repentance. Repentance is still a real doctrine in the Bible, and I thank my God for repentance. I thank God for repentance, and uh, I think God's got something for us here, so let's pray and we'll get right on into it. Heavenly Father, again, we just ask for your power, your guidance, and everything that we say and do. We're thankful for the Precious Holy Spirit, and we ask that He help us, Lord, not only, Lord, to have the right words to say and to say it the way that You'd have it said, but also for the listeners that hearts would be open, ears would be open. And again, there may be someone here that does not know Christ as their Savior. We pray that today might even be their day of salvation. That's up to you. I pray that You'd speak to them very clearly and You'd draw them to yourself. And for us that are saved, Lord, that You'd help us with this. This biblical look at repentance this morning because we all want to be closer to you, but we need your help to do that. Bless and help us now and everything that's said and done. Please, we ask these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing for the reading of the Word of God and please do be seated. <clears throat> Remember when you were a kid and learning to ride a bike? For some of us, that's a stretch to remember back that far, but the reason you finally learned to ride was because you got up and got back on every time you fell over. That's how you learned to ride. There are probably some bumps some bruises some blood, some scabs, and you may even still have some scars from back then. I could point you to one on my knee, but I don't want you to see my leg. So I won't do that. But you kept getting back on. And as long as you did that, I mean, you were a comeback kid. But, the, but that was the key to learning. That was the key. I mean, getting up and getting back on that bike every time that you fell over. It was a key. We can be comeback kids in our spiritual life as well. Getting back into fellowship with God after a fall is always an option. Um, Let me say it again. Getting back into fellowship with God after a fall is always an option. It's always an option. No, no, no. God doesn't give up on his children. He doesn't give up. No, 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 no. It's always an option. And it's easy because he's the one that paid the price for that. He made the way that we can do that. And uh, that's what his inexhaustible grace is all about. But we must get up and come back. We can't just lay there. Uh, I mean, we've got to decide that we're going to, we're going to come back. But, that, the prodigal son, he got what he wanted when he left the farm. Come on, he, he wanted to go out and do all of this. It was very evident, evident. So he got what he wanted when he left the farm, but he lost what he had. He didn't have that security anymore. He didn't have the father there to help him anymore. No, no, he he got what he wanted, but he lost what he had. Listen, until he came back to the father. And then it was restored. Proverbs chapter 24 and verse number 16, the Bible says, For a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. We just got to keep getting up. Christians that are full of the joy of the Lord are good at turning back to God when they fail. No, no, get that place. Christians that are full of the joy of uh, that are full of the joy of the Lord are are good at getting back up when they fail and going to God once again. They're quick to humble themselves and confess their sins and their failures. They're willing to deal honestly with those failures. They deal honestly like that with God. They see Jesus as someone to run to and not run from. They know that he is someone to hide in, not hide from. Jesus is a rescue mission for us. We can go to him. He's there for us. Successful, get this, successful Christians are repeat offenders But they're regular repenters. Come on, we're repeat offenders. But preacher, I'm saved by the grace of God. Me too, 37 years now. Hallelujah, very thankful. But I'm still a repeat offender. I don't like it. And a lot of the offenses I don't repeat anymore. Thank God for that. But I'm still a repeat offender. But I've learned how to be a good repenter. Because God's always there for me. He's just waiting for me to come back to him when I fail, when I fall. So we got to think about what what is repentance then? Because there's some confusion about repentance. Uh, Let's take a little bit of time and look at what it isn't, what repentance isn't. It's not guilt or shame or condemnation. That's not, no, 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 no. That that is not the way that God works. Uh, Those things tend to push you further from God. But conviction, real Bible conviction calls you to Jesus to bring you back. So repentance is not merely regret or remorse or or self-abasement. No, no, no. While we might regret a failure in our life, God, God isn't looking for just some sad emotion. That's not what he wants. He's looking for a humble heart. He's looking for a tender heart that's willing to yield to him. Come back to him. Look unto him. Remember, Jesus took our beating for us. So there's really no value in beating yourself up. Ever. No, no, I want you to get that. There's really no value in beating yourself up. Ever. He took our beating for us. He, he wants us to come to Him. Uh, okay, so what it's not? It's not penance. Not just doing penance. It's, it's not atonement. It's not payment. It's not punishment. Because there's nothing left to pay. I, I mean, Jesus paid it all. So there's nothing left to pay. And it's not, get this please, it's not just asking forgiveness over and over and over and over again. Because Jesus is our propitiation. What does that mean? Well, that word means payment for sin. Full payment for sin has been made and it allows God to for uh, it allows God to forever stand in your favor, on your side with open arms of grace no matter what. Come on. Just like this prodigal son's dad came running after him when he saw him coming back. His arms wide open. Come on, we don't read in here where the father went, I told you so. I knew you'd be back when you fell on your face. I knew you'd be back when there was no place else to go. I knew. No, no, no. That's not the way it was. I mean, he was just there with open arms. Ready to receive the son back. Absolutely. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And we have to understand this, it's not regaining or reclaiming salvation because once we're born again by the Spirit of God, we can't be unborn. Come on, Jesus said you must be born again. Salvation, when you trust Jesus Christ, truly trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're born again by the Spirit of God and you cannot be unborn. People that think that you can lose your salvation have not studied the Bible out well. God gave us everlasting life, eternal life, can't be, it can't be taken back. There is nothing that can separate us from the love of the Father. So repentance isn't about being saved again. Once you're truly saved, once you're born again, you cannot be unsaved, unborn. However, you can restore your fellowship with Jesus over and over and over again. So then what is repentance? Well, Revelation chapter 3 and verse number 19, the Bible says, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten be zealous, therefore, and repent. <clears throat> the, the word "zealous" there means to be moved with energetic or earnest desire. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. To be moved with energetic or earnest desire. In other words, you can say it like this: Run to Jesus. Run to him. So repentance literally means to think differently. It's uh, it's an acknowledgement of our wrong, uh, of uh, our wrong thinking. Listen, our wrong thinking that led to wrong living and accepting the mind of Christ, right. a, a renewed mind, a renewed way of thinking. It's an acknowledgement of the truth. Of course, it is the discovery or the submission to truth that leads to a change because real truth can lead to a change so it's selecting a it's selecting a different option it's taking a different path it's it's turning from sin and turning to Jesus it's a change of mind that results in a change of life real no no we're talking about biblical repentance real repentance Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 23 the Bible says in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledgement of the truth. For those that do not know Christ as their Savior repentance is a decision to turn to Christ you decide that you're you're not you're you're done going the way that you're going you're going to turn to Christ acknowledging your need of salvation because of your sin and by faith putting your trust in him as the one that paid your sin debt because well that's what he was born for right. yep. to pay our sin debt that's that's what he's born for and for us that our that 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 are saved repentance is a Repentance is a recurring habit of real Christian living. I'm just letting it soak in for just a second. It's a recurring habit of real Christian living. It's the art of listening to the Holy Spirit, agreeing with Him, and allowing Him to change your thinking and your living. Because once we're saved... And the Holy Ghost of God moves in. He does convict us of sin. Doesn't he? Come on. When we do wrong. Then immediately he says. You did wrong. And so it's the art of listening to him. With a willingness. To do what God would have us to do. And allowing him to change our thinking. And our living. Because we have to. Please stay with me. We have to change our thinking if we're going to change the way we live. It's, it's, it's an absolute necessity. It has to be done. That's why the Bible talks in Romans chapter 12 about renewing your mind. Well, we renew our mind with this. We go from the way that we thought things were, the, things, the way we thought things should be, to the way that God says that things should be. The renewing of our mind. So repentance is a, it's a a willing personal acknowledgement of sin in our lives, of course, and a renewed yielding to Jesus for a grace-driven life change. Get that, a grace-driven life change. I was saved by grace. Any change that's come about in my life since I was saved is by grace. It's grace-driven. We want to do better because God saved our soul. We want to do better because that's what He has for us. God does not ask you to pay for your sin. He does not ask you to make up for it. He does not ask you to atone for it or to just feel bad about it. He calls us to acknowledge it and confess it and forsake it. He calls you to run from sin to him. So let's break that definition down just a little more. To acknowledge it. What's that all about? Well, we agree with God that it's sinful, that it's it's hurtful, that it's destructive. You, you know, it's really, it's some, some people just like to roll right along with their sin um, and, and just like it's not it's, it's not any of those things. It's not sinful or hurtful or it's not destructive. While all along knowing something needs to change. No, they act like, you know, everything's just fine. But, but they know all along that something needs to change. And then they fight against the change. They don't want to change. They're not going to, they, they don't take the steps they need to to change. Not wanting, no, no, not wanting to be any different than they have always been. No, no, they they might come down and they might confess it and Lord, I know I shouldn't be doing this and whatever uh, and all of that, but they really don't want to change. Well, God will not make us change. No, no, as we acknowledge that it's sinful and as we acknowledge that it's hurtful and that we acknowledge that it's destructive and we come to Him yielding ourselves, I guarantee He gives the grace that we need to change. And he will help us to do so. So we acknowledge it. And then we confess it. What's that all about? Well it's to admit it before God. Seeing that it's sinful. Um, No hiding. No rationalizing. No blaming. No excusing. No more tolerating. No more justifying, no ignoring, but with a humble heart, admitting to God our wrongdoing. Lord, this has been wrong in my life. I should not be like this. I should not act like this. I should not talk like this. I should, whatever the case may be. Lord, this is wrong in your sight. I can see it in your Bible. And we admit. I mean, it's an admittance. And then it's confessing but also forsaking, forsaking it. Uh, That's making a choice of will in Christ to be dead to it and then to serve righteousness. We forsake it. Come on, it's not that we just go and we confess it, Lord, I know that I've done wrong and please forgive me for that. And he's ready to forgive. Somebody say amen right there. So thankful. I'm so very thankful. Absolutely so. But but not just to gain forgiveness, but to change, to be different, to go a different way. I, I mean I mean to truly to truly make a choice of our own to not do that anymore. <clears throat> Well, preacher, I know, but I mean, you know, I've done that. But then, and then I I do it again. Welcome to the big club. You're one of many. Because we are just human. And God knows that. No, 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 that, that doesn't give us excuse to just go back and do it. No, no, no. But we are prone to wonder, aren't we? Come on, we are prone to go back and do the same thing, aren't we? Yeah, it's, it's who we are. It's that sin nature. It's that thing that's so hard to get over. But what we just talked about is the habit of a healthy Christian. Acknowledging and confessing and forsaking. Because real Christians that are trying hard to live for God do this over and over and over again instinctively instinctively thousands of times in their journey with the Lord you become a good repenter again I'm not giving an excuse just to keep on doing the same thing and then come back and keep on doing the same thing and coming back because I'm telling you if we will get if we when we get serious with God in this thing and forsaking things I'm telling you the grace of God can become very real to where we don't do those things anymore Where that filth doesn't come out of our mouth anymore. And we don't want to go to those old haunts anymore. And we're not going to act like that anymore. No, no, no. The grace of God can change us just the same way it saved us. But there needs to be repentance. Repentance. So repentance is the key to taking responsibility for my sin. I take responsibility for my sin. Don't justify it. Don't make excuses for it. Don't point fingers at other people. Well, if they'd have just... No, no, no. I I take responsibility for my sin, removing all the games that I might play with God and getting real before Him. And that will bring us to a place uh, where our relationship with God can be whole and it can be very healthy. Uh, Closeness and real change are possible. No, no. Closeness to God and real change are possible when we genuinely respond to our sin with a repentant heart. But we have to be truthful. And this is critical. Get this, get this, stay tuned in. This is critical. Repentance by itself does not generate life change. Now I want you to get this. Repentance just by itself does not generate life change. But it does bring us to a place where life change is very possible by the working of the Holy Ghost of God. No, there has to be the repentance. But the repentance by itself does not bring about a life change. Come on. You can quit doing something for a while, can't you? Well, I'm not going to do that anymore. And so you don't do it. But nothing really changes. And so you find yourself back doing it again. So repentance all by itself well, it doesn't generate a life change, but it does get to your pl- No, no. When you get real with God, it does get you to a place where that life change is possible by the working of the Holy Spirit of God that lives in us. So let's think about the result of repentance. Think about the greatest obstacles of our Christian growth. The greatest obstacles, come on, stay with me, of our Christian growth. What, what, what would those be? Well, let's get some big ones, okay? Pride. Justifying our sin. Blame shifting. Somebody else's fault. Lying. Rationalizing. You know, God often referred to Israel as a stiff-necked people. They're... uh. Their unrepentant posture would not hear or receive instruction from God. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 23 says this, But they obeyed not, neither inclined their ear, but made their neck stiff, that they might not hear nor receive instruction. How often have you maybe heard this from someone? Well, I don't have to listen to that preacher. Preacher. Well, no, it's not about the preacher. It's about what he's preaching. But if we won't receive what God says about our sin and the way we're living and different things, we're not going anywhere. We're just stuck there spinning our wheels. We have to be willing to receive what God gives us. Okay, let me just talk about me then for a minute. How often as a Christian have I found myself playing the hard-hearted child? Me. Yeah. Times that I have loved my sin and my self-will. No, God's Spirit tried real hard to convict me, but I just pushed back. I'll do what I want to do. I'll have to listen to this. I'll live my life the way I want to live my life. I I have refused to return as a prodigal return. Because sin is pleasurable for a season, isn't it? Come on, the Bible says it is. And here's the thing, selfishness is seductive. The old nature does not die easily. And so I argue with God, I justify myself, and I willfully deny what His Spirit is trying to teach me. So none of y'all are like that. So that makes me very, very thankful for God's gracious long-suffering, that God. Puts up with me. I can put it that way. He puts up with me. He patiently deals with me, teaching, convicting, chastening, calling my heart to soften before Him. The longer I resist, the more I struggle and grow cold toward His love. And the sooner I soften, the better my whole life is. And at some point, because of God's gracious long-suffering, I break. My heart softens, my will dies, and my spirit turns back to Jesus. And repentance causes me to acknowledge that God is right and I am wrong. And growth is only possible when we soften our hearts and repent. When we change our minds. God's right. I'm wrong. So repentance is when the uh, light of truth comes on in your heart. (laughs) How many of us run on like we think we're doing just fine until one day through the preaching, teaching, or even reading of the word of God, we go, oh no. No. Boy, God, I sure needed that. The lights come on. And then you see sin as it really is, and you see God as He is, and grace as it is, and you run to Jesus acknowledging truth. And your heart softens toward Him and toward His Word. Your mind embraces the truth that we have. And once again, your spiritual growth in Jesus resumes. And this is why repentance is a wonderful thing. Because it's a spiritual breakthrough that allows God's grace to work powerfully and and wonderfully in your heart and in your life. Bible repentance is a change of mind that allows God to produce a change of heart. Well, okay, preacher, fine. So what, what leads to repentance? Well, some might say that punishment leads to repentance. You know, when God brings a hammer down, that's when we finally give in to his, his wrath and we turn back to him. Now listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. A, a threat of punishment may lead, some to, may lead to something like repentance But a lot of the time, it's not a heart-changing repentance that God desires for His children. I've preached about this before. but, But the punishment concept of God is a distorted view. Because Jesus took all our punishment on the cross. No, He is the propitiation for our sin. 1 John chapter 4 verse 10 says, Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. So we know that sin has consequences. And there may be times that we endure chastening, but these things are never punitive. They're never vindictive. They're never vengeful. God doesn't work like that. No, no, our God isn't. I'll just dump Him in the head until He turns around. Our God is not like that. That's a distorted, distorted view of who God is. God is love. Oh, you can read it in your Bible. I'm pretty sure it's in there somewhere where it says God is love. God is love. So if punishment is not a motive for us to repent, then what is? Well, it's the same thing that got you saved. It's the wonderful grace of God. No, no. Romans chapter 2 verse 4 says this. Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. The goodness of God. What, What motivates me to repent? The goodness of God. Not pain, not problems, not threat preacher how in the world is that possible we are programmed please listen we are programmed to believe that only negative consequences lead to repentance and it it does at times but not always genuine repentance no 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 that type of repentance is often forced and it ends up being motivated by by self-protection that 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 type of repentance is often forced and it ends up being motivated by self-protection what are you talking about well was there ever a time, listen to me, look up here, was there ever a time as a kid that you were made to say I'm sorry to somebody else so you didn't get beat? (laughs) Did you mean it in your heart? Probably not. You just did it with hopes of not being in trouble want anything to do with this God doesn't desire forced repentance God wants a willful return back to him he wants us let's get get this he wants us to see him as better than our sin (laughs) running back to him is so much better than wallowing in my sin Going back to the Father is so much better than laying in the pig pen and eating the husk. That's the way God wants us to see it. Because of His love for us. His goodness and His willingness to forgive us and take us back is usually what leads to really genuine joyful repentance that chooses him, please get this, that chooses him over our own sinful desires. The prodigal son left. Dad, give me my inheritance now. We don't have time to get into all this, but that was, uh, that was the spirit of a kid that was in rebellion. His father gave him his inheritance, went off, and he spent it all on righteous living. I'll live my way, I'll do my own thing. Going to do it. He did. Went out there and did it. Bible says that he wasted it. On all the things of the world. Oh he was doing what he wanted to do. And he probably enjoyed it. Until the inheritance ran out. And then this good Jewish boy. Had to go down and take a job. of Slopping hogs. Now if you know anything at all. That's the lowest of the low job. For a Jew. To be down there with the pigs. But that's where he was. And he got to a place. No, no, listen to me. He didn't get to a place where he thought, man, I tell you, I, you know, I bet my dad's so mad at me. We don't read that there. He got to a place where he said, man, here I am down in a stupid hog pen. And even my dad's servants back home have more than I have. I know what I'll do. I'll get up and I'll go to him. And I'll tell him I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. And I'm not even worthy to be your servant. No, he thought about the goodness of God. No, no, he thought about the provision, the provision of his father, the provision of the home, the the loving care that he knew before he ever departed. Those were the things that he was thinking about. He wasn't thinking, I'll go back to dad because I know dad's mad about all this. That's not what he was thinking about. He was thinking about the goodness of the father. That's what led him. No, no. And he was thinking, "This what I need to do. But I mean, he didn't stop with the thinking. Says he got up and took off. So it's not good enough that we just think about it. I mean, we have to take steps, don't we? To get back to the Father. Where he wants us to be. To choose him over our own sinful lifestyles. So what hinders repentance then? Well, a few things can, I think. I think number one probably is a love for sin. There's a lot of people that have never been saved by the grace of God because they did not want to give up something in their life. No, they knew immediately when they were under, when they were under conviction, well, if I get saved, then I'm probably going to have to give this up. No, no, they knew. And so they just chose to hold on to their sin a love for sin. When we love our sin more than we love Jesus, we refuse to repent. There's only two motivations for repentance and obedience to God. Get this. There's only two motivations for repentance and obedience to God, and it's love or law. What do you mean love or law? Want to or have to? Only two. It's a want to, or have to. When I got saved 37 years ago out of a life of drug addiction, I wanted what God had to offer. No, I mean, I wanted it. And it was that genuine repentance in my heart when I got down beside my coffee table there in Longview, Texas that, that no, 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 that God saw and saved my soul that day. Love or law? Law always seems to lead to more failure and more discouragement. The only feasible motivation for repentance and obedience to God is love. That we love, that we decide we're going to choose to love Him more than we love our sin. What else could hinder repentance? Well, pride, self-will. I'll do what I want. Nobody's going to, don't be trying to shove this stuff down my throat. I'm not trying to shove anything down anybody's throat. A stubborn heart will remain trapped in idolatry, doing what it wants to do. And God will continually work on his children by chastening them at times, of course, to get them out of that self destructive mode. I mean, just ask Jonah. Well, I'm here to give good grief, but Jonah got swallowed by that well. Look, 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 look. We often think of that well as Jonah's punishment. Well, Jonah got away from God, and so God sent that well to punish him. But, but no, no, no. You couldn't be more wrong with that mindset. That is not true whatsoever. That fish that swallowed Jonah was the grace of God. Absolutely the grace of God. Jonah was destroying himself. He was running from God. He was was refusing to repent, even to the point of telling the ship's crew at that point, just throw me overboard. No, I'm telling you at that point, no, at that point Jonah was just suicidal. I just want this to be over. And so Jonah was suicidal. God in His grace and His goodness sent this whale to save Jonah from himself and lead him to that place of repentance. That's our that's our loving, caring Heavenly Father. Yeah. What else can hinder repentance? Well, really just ignorance of God's goodness, of the goodness of God. We know this, we know that sin is always hurtful, but God's commands are always helpful. We know that. He is our heavenly father and he always has our best interest at heart. We know this, sin is a destroyer and it always leads down a path of destruction. Repentance is believing and running to God. First John chapter 5 verse 3 says, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are, are not grievous. The love of God is that we keep His commandments. Another thing that can really hinder repentance is sin's pleasure. Sin's pleasure. There is pleasure in sin. Come on, even the Bible says that. There is pleasure in sin. For a season. And there's a lot of people who don't come back because sin hadn't hurt them enough to break their idolatry. No, no, with that mindset, they have not hit rock bottom yet. Yet. There are two times people repent. When they love Jesus enough? Or when sin's pleasures start stinking? When sin finally becomes putrid. Because it can. Well, let's touch this. We'll be done. Why is repentance? Preacher, then, you said repentance is just something you do over and over. Why is repentance repetitive? The Apostle John was one of Jesus' closest friends. Man, he loved Jesus. You can't read the Gospel of John without seeing that so clear. He was young when his life was radically changed by meeting Jesus. And that definitely caused him to love Jesus deeply. He he did. And then as an old man, after a lifetime of following Jesus, he wrote these words in 1 John chapter 2. My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So as an old man, he starts out by saying, I'm writing this to you so that you won't sin. Come on, that's how he started that. I'm writing this to you so that you won't sin. That's the great desire, that you don't sin. Make no, mistake, make no mistake about it, God is working to transform how you live. Come on, if you're saved by the grace of God, God is working to try to transform how you live. And as you truly follow Him, you will, as you truly follow Him, you will sin less. The strongholds that sin has in your life will weaken and, and, and lessen, Uh, Over your lifelong journey with Christ. But then John says, where I read there, when you do sin, you have an advocate with Jesus Christ. So here's what he said So when you sin, run to Christ, don't run from him, run to him. He is your Savior, He's your justifier. He's your Redeemer. Not just when He saved you, but every day as you fail and get back up. He is and always will be there for you. Always. But here's the thing. Victory is going to be incremental. Incremental. Some days, as a Christian, you may feel like you have the world by the tail. And other days, you'll feel as though the world has you whipped. And a lot of times, you may be wondering if you're gaining or losing ground. Because victory in the Christian life can be so incremental that it's unnoticeable. But I'm here to tell you this morning, don't get discouraged because that is real Christianity. <clears throat> I've said it, if you've been around here, you've heard me say it, and it just always continues to go over in my mind. I wish that the day that God saved me, He made me perfect. That all the struggles were over, that, that all the temptations were over, that, that man, I just had victory over everything and over the world and all the, over the devil. And I, I wish that when I got saved, it was like that, but it's not like that. Victory is incremental, and sometimes it comes in big doses, Hallelujah for those times, and sometimes it comes in itty-bitty doses where we don't even know that it's happening. Second Peter chapter three, verse 18 says this, "But grow in grace, and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to him be glory both now and forever. Amen. But grow in grace, grow. And in, the knowledge, and, in, and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And as we grow in His grace and in the knowledge of Him, we get victory. But victory is also seasonal. <clears throat> Let me assure you that God knows what He's doing in your life. No, God knows what He's doing in your life. And it really doesn't matter how long you've been saved or how short of a time you've been saved. There's still a lot of growth ahead that He wants to happen. No, God wants that to happen. There's still a lot of growth ahead. That means that there is still a lot of work that He must accomplish in us. I want you to get that. There's still a lot of work that He needs to accomplish in us. That He needs to do in us. And it, and it may be that you're desiring victory, and listen, listen, it may be that you're desiring victory in one area while he is trying to work on another area of your life. And if you'd allow him to work in that area, then it won't be long before he is working in this area. But God does things the way He wants to do things. Come on, we are to yield to Him. We don't give Him direction. He's God and we're not. God's the builder. God's the builder. You're the project. (laughs) He's the potter. You're the clay. So stay pliable. Stay moldable. And again, victory will not always be measurable will not always be measurable. Your measurement of your spiritual life listen, listen, your, your measurement of your spiritual life, or really, really even of, of other spiritual lives, is most likely always inaccurate. We're not sure exactly what God is doing. Here's the key to it: Just keep your eyes on the Lord and keep moving forward for Him. No matter what anybody else does, whatever happens in your life, keep your eyes on Him and keep moving forward. <clears throat> let, him show, let Him show you progress as He sees, as he sees fit to do so. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 says this, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So we're looking unto him. How come? He's the author and the finisher of our faith. And he is at work in your life if you're saved by his grace. And I love this thought, victory will one day be final, one of these days. The war's already won. I said the war's already been won, no matter how, my, how we might feel about it. There will be days that you will win some battles, and there's going to be days that you lose some battles, but the war is won by, by Jesus himself. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The battle's been won. The, the, the war has been won. You're on the winning side. You have to decide to never give up or never give in. You have to decide that. First Corinthians 15:57 says this, but thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> I'm right. I'm right it. I'm right at right at done. If you're here this morning and you're saved by the grace of God, then God has done something in your life at some point that you'd have to say, God did that. No, truly, no matter how small or large it might be, whatever. I mean, you just have to say, oh yeah, man, God did that. I know God did that. God took this away from me or that away from me or God, God gave me a, a desire for this or for that, the things that are good. Oh Yeah. The trouble is, is that we, we know that and uh, then we go along and we fail. And we get to thinking, well, I don't know how, I don't know how God's going to fix this. Well, He can do that because He's God. And the God that gave you whatever victory He gave you, is the same one that can continue to give you victory if you keep running back to him. But you have to get up. No, no. No matter how scraped or bruised or bloody you might be, you have to get back up and you have to go to him. He's just waiting there. He's waiting there. He wants you to come back to him. Just like the prodigal's father wanted him to come back. To the point that when he saw that boy coming up the road, he ran out there to meet him. He ran to meet him. I just—I can't even imagine what the boy smelled like. Come on, we know how bad—we know how bad boys' tennis shoes can get. Anybody that's raised boys? I can't even imagine. He ran to meet him, and threw his arms around him because he loved him. And I'm here to tell you this morning, no, 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 no matter how badly bruised and scraped and whatever you are, God just wants you to repent and come to him because he loves you and he's ready. Well, I don't deserve that. Oh, you're on track because that's exactly where the prodigal was. I don't deserve this. I don't even deserve to be one of your servants. Bring a robe and put on him. Bring some shoes and put on his feet. Put a ring on his hand. And by the way, go out and kill that fatted calf. Boy, we are going to rejoice here. This is wonderful. My son, he was out there, but he came back. Oh, I know it's a parable. I understand. But boy, there's a powerful, powerful truth right there. And the Lord is just waiting for us to repent I'm tired of doing it my way God I'm ready to do it your way get good at repentance it's the act of running back to God every time you find yourself strayed away or struggling with sin God is the one that made repentance possible so take advantage of it be a good repenter We have a wonderful, loving, caring, gracious, merciful, long-suffering Heavenly Father that's waiting with open arms. He just wants us to be close to Him. And if you're here and you're not saved this morning, it doesn't matter where you are in life or what you've done. or doesn't matter because Jesus paid it all. He paid the price for your sin on the cross of Calvary all those years ago. Was buried for three days, but rose again by His own power, the only one that ever has. And He rose to give us victory over sin. And I'm telling you, if you'll just turn your heart to God and trust what He did for you, He'll save your soul today. Very same way that he saved my soul and many that could stand up and testify this morning that they remember that time they came to him broken. Lord, I want what you offer. I'm telling you, whether you've strayed away, whether you're struggling, whether you don't know Christ, repentance is the key. It's a major, major doctrine in our Bible that doesn't seem to be taught or preached anymore which is a shame because it's a wonderful, wonderful truth. Would you bow your heads with me? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Thank you for being patient this morning. Thank you so much. You've been very attentive and patient. Thank you for that. I appreciate that so much. There could be someone in here this morning to say, preacher, I I don't know that I'm saved. I don't know that I've ever put my faith and trust in Christ. I don't know that I've ever really truly turned my heart to God and trusted Christ as my Savior, but I know it's time for me to do that. And and would you just pray for me, preacher? Would you would you pray for me that I would get to a place that I'll turn my heart to God, that I'll trust Christ as my savior? Would you pray with me about that? Well, I'd like to. You're here like that this morning. Would you just slip your hand up wherever you're at and allow me to pray for you? I'm not gonna point you out, call you out, I'm not gonna come to you. I, I just wanna pray for you that God would continue to work. You'd get to that place of trusting Christ as your Savior. God bless you. Ma'am, I appreciate your honesty. Thank you so much for that. Others, others, yeah, preacher, that's me too. When you pray for them, when you pray for me, definitely will. I want to. I want to do that. I want to pray for you. Would you allow me to do that? Just slip your hand up, back down. We'll move right along with the service. Others, others? will not go into any detail and i'm not about to ask any questions but maybe you're here this morning and god has spoken to your heart and you'd say preacher there's some things that i need to get settled between god and me i know that i'm saved i know that i know christ is my savior but there are some things that i know that i need to get settled between god and me would you pray for me, about that. I want to. You're here like that this morning. Would you slip up your hand wherever you at and just allow me to pray for you? Would you do that? God bless your honesty. I appreciate that so much. Others, yep, yep, over there. God bless you. I appreciate your honesty. Thank God for your honesty. I appreciate that. The important thing is we just allow God to have our way. Let's stand to our feet. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray that you'd bless those that have already come to the altar. And that you'd bless those that need to come this morning and just have a well have a little talk with you, Lord, that you have spoken to their heart, and they know that there are things in their life that need to be taken care of, but that can only be taken care of by you, and I pray that they would humble themselves and come this morning and take time and lord that uh, that they would take it that they would take advantage of the grace the mercy that you offer them. And I pray for those in here that do not know Christ as their Savior. I know, Lord, that You want them to be saved even more than they would want to be saved. And I pray for them that You would convince them and convict them and draw them to Yourself and bring them to that place. We can't get saved for them and we can't make them get saved and we don't want to try. Lord, we just pray that You deal with them to the place where they know they need to come and, and they do before it's eternally too late. I just ask that you would bless this time of invitation that folks would come as they see fit. Lord, bless the ones already at the altar. Help us today. We pray and ask these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. Some have already come. You need to come. Just let God have His way. God will not take long. and I'm not going to try to beg you down the aisle. You know that you need to come. You know you need to talk to God. You know that you don't need, know Christ as your Savior. Why don't you come today? If have somebody that can take a Bible and show you how you can have that all settled, be happy to take you aside and do so. Just Just let God have His way, whatever He wants. Maybe God spoke to you about repentance of things in your own life. Even if you don't come today to the altar, don't leave the message here. Don't leave the truth here. Have a little talk with the Lord. Let him give you victory in areas.